Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Hysteria 51, we're live. I am Brent Hand. Who's with me? I am John Goforth. All right. Are you excited? I could not be more excited and yet more unprepared at both the same time. (laughs) I think that's the point. So... You're probably thinking, why do I need to listen to this podcast? That's what I'm thinking. That's what we were thinking also. We both love watching Ancient Aliens. We love listening to other podcasts that touch on these topics. It's fascinating. We love sitting around, drinking some beers, talking aliens, talking... Oh, and uh, like watching that guy on, on History Channel. Is it, is it on Ancient Aliens? That S- crazy hair? George Sokolos? Yeah. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. But they take this shit really seriously. Yeah, and I I think that is my biggest issue, again, with this whole genre. I don't know if you want to call it genre. The conspiracy genre. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to be... I'm not that way. So, But I enjoy the shit out of having some beers like we're doing now, sitting around talking about shit. So the point of this podcast is to sit around, have beers, talk about the shit that we really don't believe in. Yeah, and and be (laughs) ill-prepared. Which we're really good at. We are. So, objective number one. Yeah, we've accomplished. We've, we've put and, a little click next to it. And we just hope you'll come along on the journey with us. Hopefully, laugh a little bit, learn. Cry. What is, what is, what is ultimately. Get in touch with your inner feelings. No. Uh, <laughs> well, here's what you'll learn you'll learn things that are most certainly incorrect. The one thing that I can unequivocally guarantee you is that we will butcher, maim, and otherwise destroy facts on this show. So. If you're looking for facts and facts alone, this is the wrong place. And I'm going to go on the record to say everything we say is 100% true. You can quote us. You can take us to court. It'll hold up. Just believe everything we say is fact and tell all your friends. And his phone number is. (laughs) Uh, Also, very importantly, tonight is brought to you by, unfortunately, Bud Light. And uh, Oh, what am I drinking? Yeah. Um, Okay, so I, I a new cider. I've, I've been I'm, I'm doing the paleo thing, so I'm I'm on cider, and um, this is Blake's hard cider, and uh, but it's not their regular one. This is one's called the Beard Bender, which works out because I have a beard. It's their dry cider. His name's Gary. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, right, I guess that'd be your wife, Stacy. Actually, that would be your beard. Sorry, sorry. Uh, well, I didn't mean mean to bring Gary into this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, she doesn't know about Gary. <laughs> so yeah, Blake's Hard Cider, 6.5% alcohol. Enjoying it. It's called the Beard Bender. It's their dry version. Excellent. So, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight we are talking about... In our inaugural episode. So in our inaugural episode, uh, we're talking about Operation High Jump, which is, wow, such a great topic for an inaugural episode for so many reasons. The first being, I had never even heard of it before uh, Brent suggested it. <laughs> so, you know, if you wanted to come to a place that is full of a couple assholes that have little to no knowledge of a topic, you found it. <laughs> now, I did do my research, but it's not very good. Second, the reason this is a really good topic for our inaugural episode is 
Wow, there's so much depth to this thing. I mean, I could have researched for days. Yeah, the and problem. Days I think the problem days. that we had is we didn't know when to stop. Not that it's you know digging deep and digging deep, and that's the point. And also touching on what you said, I think this is a topic that not a lot of people. If you're into this, you've probably heard of it. But outside of it, it's not Roswell. Everyone's got an opinion on that. You know, it's not. 9-11. It's, it's not, not the, the quote-unquote faked moon landing. Yeah, yeah. It's not Which, that. I'm like, sure we'll do at some point. Yeah, we'll get there. It's just the point of this is something that you might not have preconceived notions on. And if you do, you might think we're stupid. You might agree with us. We don't care. It's just for fun. So Yeah, you'll yeah. probably think we're stupid. But, all right, so let's start here. Let's yeah. start with um, kind of a, a formal description. Hit us with a description and uh, we'll go from there. All right. I might interrupt. Please do. So this is something we dug up somewhere on the on the interwebs. Operation High Jump began when Marines in full battle gear were sent by the United States to Antarctica on what was officially described as a training mission, departing from Norfolk, Virginia, on December 2nd, 1946. The expedition was filmed by the Navy and brought to Hollywood to be made into a commercial film called, ooh, this is good, The Secret Land. <laughs> Which at that time, I mean, I guess that's a pretty good title because who the hell had been there? That's, well, that's true. Many individuals questioned why an expedition to Antarctica was put in place so rapidly after World War II and with so much manpower and military equipment. Suspicion was raised that that's, it was... Sorry to say, but think about that too. Like, you've just spent all these years in a world war, the second world war, you have women leaving the home, going working, you know, in factories. You are, you know, stripping cars. You're doing everything you can just for metal. And yet we're going to spend all this money to send three whole battalions to the Antarctic with 13 ships or however many there was and all that. That seems excessive to say the least. And that for a training mission. That is one of the many mysteries that clouds this whole thing. I digress. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> So it continues, suspicion was raised that it was in the best interest of national security of the United States. Admiral Richard E. Byrd led Operation High Jump, perhaps in search for a supply uh, of coal. Rear Admiral, don't church it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, in search for a supply of coal, oil, or even uranium. But it was called off much earlier than expected. Unofficial sources claim that Byrd and his forces dun, encountered... Dun, dun. Heavy resistance to their Antarctic venture from, quote, flying saucers, end quote. As which, you do. Which necessitated their hasty return home. It was believed that the Germans had developed a base in Antarctica during and perhaps even before World War II. And it was well known that the German high command hung on believing that the new weapons under development would turn the tide of the war back in Germany's favor. With ever-increasing Allied bombing and armies closing in on Germany from the east, west, and south... It would seem prudent to move one's most precious projects to somewhere beyond reach. And what could be further from the Allies' grasp than Antarctica? So, Brent, that's the, uh, that's the description I have in front of me. Let me give you my Reader's Digest understanding of it, because mm -hmm. uh, I know that you have a lot more understanding of it than I do. So, the official reasoning was, hey, we're going to send a bunch of our ships and a bunch of our people to Antarctica. Mm -hmm. We're going to survey the land. We're going to figure out... If there's natural resources we can grab, we're also just going to learn more about the topographical... So, well, let me tell you exactly. It says, the objectives, according to the Navy's official report, 
Please. It says training personnel and testing equipment in frigid conditions. I'd say that's a good test. So do our machines work when it's butt ass cold? That's actually literally in the uh, official naval transcripts. Yeah. <laughs> Consolidating and extending the United States sovereignty over the largest practical area of the Antarctic continent. But that was that one was denied as a goal. Yeah, even before it started, but bullshit. Right. You know, so at that time, you couldn't claim Antarctica, right? You couldn't claim it. It was, it's not like maritime marine, not maritime, I'm sorry. It's not like anywhere where I can drop a flag here and and we have it. That was. But side note, the Germans tried. Apparently in, in like the late 30s, they flew a bunch of planes over Antarctica. Literally dropped flags all over it. <laughs> With little spikes on them so yeah. they'd stick up no. for the, you know, the fucking penguins. <laughs> the, oh, this is, this is German soil. Okay. So determining the feasibility of establishing, maintaining, and utilizing bases in the Antarctic and investigating possible base sites. All right. That makes sense. Developing techniques for establishing, maintaining, and utilizing air bases on ice with particular attention to later applicability of such techniques to operations in interior Greenland where conditions are comparable to those in Antarctic. Wait, so let me get this straight. You're going to spend millions of dollars and send 5,000 people to Antarctica in case you ever need to take over Greenland. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> Greenland, I guess, is closer. No, it's not even closer to the USSR. That's on the wrong side. I don't know. No, Greenland's a lot closer to us. Yeah, yeah. It's the neighbor of Canada. I guess they're seeing, I could see, like, seeing, you know, making ice runways. Let's be honest. This was so we could take over Canada. Yes. Okay. I think that's a given. Moving on. Five, to take over Canada. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Amplifying existing stores of knowledge of electromagnetic, geological, geographic, hydrographic, and meteorological propagation conditions in the area. All right. So, you know, scientists are on board. And supplementary objectives of the Nanook expedition, a smaller equivalent conducted off eastern Greenland. So, officially, that's why they were in so Antarctica. In, in not so many words, we were going to send a bunch of people and a bunch of ships and a bunch of planes to Antarctica to figure out if there was some good scientific shit going on and if there was resources available. And if we could make a base, and if we made a base, would our ships and our men be able to live there? Right, would they work? Would, would, would they the work, yeah. Would, would the machines yeah. and the people So they sent, to- just to do this, they sent two icebreakers. I think that makes sense. They sent, what else? And um, those are ships that break ice. Yeah, yeah, that's the technical term. So it's not just a clever name. <laughs> so they sent a, you know, it makes sense to send a couple of those, but they sent aircraft carriers, they sent destroyers, 13 ships in total, and 4,700 men to test this out. I'd say it seems excessive. Now they had three battalions. The three battalions, you know, or three fleets went to three different spots for different three reasons. Three battle groups, right? Three battle groups. Thank you. Went to three different spots in Antarctica for, for different reasons. So... We alluded to when you were talking about maybe the Germans had been there before. So in 38 and 39, like pre-war, World War II, they were whaling heavily there because of blubber and uh, whale oil. I mean, we're still at the time when you needed that for everything. So when you say whaling, you don't mean they were also gnashing teeth. Or hitting on fat chicks. No, they were... (laughs) were Wait, are we talking about you in college again? (laughs) 
<laughs> That's a whole different uh, podcast. You know, so they had an established <laughs> presence there pre-World War II. And I think that ties into one of the conspiracy theories is the, they call it the uh, base 211, which is the thought that, okay, Germany was going to Antarctica. They realized this place is an untapped well, hold on, resource. Hold on. Before we get into the the what is actually going or uh-huh. what, what all the theories, let's just cover fact. Mm-hmm. All right. So we know that Germany went there and they were yeah. they were whaling. Yeah. But not Brent's love life in college. They were getting blubber and things of that nature for, right. for oil and whatnot. Right. Um, beyond that, we don't know that they were doing anything else. No. We just know that they went there. They flew some planes over. They might have done some surveying. And then everything else is taken from statements of German officials, hearsay, things which like Which we'll get to. Which yeah. we'll get to. Okay. Okay. So then we decide right after the war ends that we're going ourselves. For some reason. And I don't – I, I find that – I find we, for we, me, I find that timing to be very suspect to be – to say – you know, the war's a year out, sure. just over a year. We're going to spend all this money to go there. But, but, but stated, stated as you, as you eloquently read earlier, those were the objectives of the mission. Yeah. Yep. The reality is that we did leave for the mission. Yeah. We, we, uh, heralded by Richard Byrd himself. Right. Admiral Richard Byrd. Rear Bird. Admiral. And if you don't know who that is, long story short, he was an adventurer a badass um, explorer. He he explored both the North and South Pole numerous times and was known very well as a pilot uh, uh, across uh, across the globe really for that. By the time this happened, he was kind of an afterthought. He was not as well known or well, I guess I suppose he was as well known, he was not as well regarded. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, everyone likes to call him the head of Operation High Jump. He wasn't, but the, but the yeah. reality was he wasn't. The, the Navy was calling all the shots. So we showed up we were supposed to be there for months on end, mm-hmm. and we started – we finally got there in February of 47. Right. Or, or, yeah, February of 47. Mm-hmm. Late February. And uh, we left by early March, mid-March of 47. Right. Which was very, very early. Yeah, and they said that we left because of – Quote, we ran into trouble. Right. And had suffered some fatalities. So they had planes go down. They had people killed on the ice from some of the, uh, officially, some of the equipment that they used for, like, paving for runways and things like that. People were crushed by. People ran over. So, um, basically, the kind of stuff you would sort of expect, expect in the, yeah. uh, trying to tame the untamable. Right, right. So, I, I don't know <laughs> if you're the U.S. government, do you set a limit of, okay, once we lose X amount of guys, you got to pull back or... Once you have lost X amount of planes, like when do you well, call I, I off? Think, I think if there's one thing that the U.S. government pre 1947 had shown, there wasn't a limit Ex- on casualties. That's it, it's expendable assets, right. I, I would assume. So you have a battle group goes down there. They have you know X, Y, and Z that they're supposed to get done, and then they turn around and hightail it in like eight weeks. And, and some they're on shit the way goes back. down, and they leave. Yes, and, and that's pretty much the extent. Of what everyone agrees on, everything right. that everything that we that we just kind of you know glossed over is what everyone agrees on. Yes, we went. Yes, we were there for fourish weeks. Yeah. Yes, some folks died, and yes, we came back. And then 
that is the point in which conspiracy theory abounds, begins, yeah. and then takes <laughs> and flourishes. Right, right. So when Bird came back, he talked to the public. You know, there's there's several. Well, now hold on. The ship stops in Buenos Aires, mm-hmm. right? And so before he's back, you know, there was no cell phones. Yeah, you can't call and say, "Yeah, we we're going to do this and that." So he stops in Buenos Aires and he gives a, a press conference, right? No, I thought I thought he did an interview in with the interview. A, that's a, right. with well, the newspaper. That's it. Press conference interview. Go ahead. Sorry. So he does an interview with this newspaper. And he's, he starts talking about uh, some interesting things, but, the, but none of it's specific enough to really be able to put your finger on. He talks about how, you know, if there's a third world war, mm-hmm. it's going to come from an adversary utilizing the poles. Yeah. And, we and he doesn't be... mean, he doesn't mean our great friends in Poland. <laughs> and he says that they're going to be have aircraft that can fly from pole to pole at incredible rates of speed. And that's something that we're going to have to contend with. And it's... you got to think. In 1947, this is the U.S. populace that when your government said something, you believed every last letter that they said. And yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like, <laughs> think about this. This isn't nowadays. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you tell your ass is on fire and you go look at a mirror first. Yeah. This like, guy is spouting off about there's going to be technology you don't understand in World War III and all that a year after World War II ends. And this is an admiral. And. He's literally showing his ass to everybody. So, that, I mean, whether whether true or not, the American government probably wasn't pleased with that. Right. Right. But at that time, like you said, there's no cell phones or anything like that. You know, we're sending telegrams, I guess, and shit like that over, over wires. So, you know, it's not the world that we're in today. It's a much I mean, larger long world. Way, long range radio, I guess, but yeah, that's it. He got his ass chewed out. You can you can guarantee, you know. Yeah. So, that's the story. What do you think happened? Not what do you think happened? What do the conspiracies say happened? Like what what uh, what's a feasible account? Well, as a as a newbie to Operation High Jump, in doing my research, I, I basically found Two different prevailing theories on what was shaken down there. Uh, one that seemed more prevalent than the other. Okay. But it also is harder to dissect than, than just one and two because they also sort of correlate together. Okay. Um, and there's hybrids that involve both. But, but number one, the most prevalent and the most is something we've already alluded to. And that is there is a secret German slash Nazi base. Within Antarctica somewhere. Base 211, uh, they refer to it as. Okay, so Base 211, whether it's it's underground, it's in... Oh, this is something I, I, I forgot to mention before that I, I didn't even know this before. I feel like an idiot. In Antarctica, which I thought was just one big you know ice cube, there are areas that have like these warm water lakes that aren't frozen... And around these lakes is actual vegetation growing. Yeah, there's oases that are they're geothermically heated. Right. So I didn't know that, and th- that <laughs> I had to like look it up. Uh, I'm like, okay, so is this part of the conspiracy, or is this is this a fact? And it's actually a fact. Like these places really do exist. So whether it's involved with one of those somehow, mm. or whether it's uh, you, so- you take a submarine <clears throat> un- sub- submarine under the ice shelf. And go into these a group of caves and such that somewhere 
there is this large Nazi population of people, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> just living, living life and living large. Yeah. And, uh, not only are they, they doing that, but they're developing technology and they are, uh, they're growing their expertise and everything. And they're just getting ready to go for the world. They have and the most beautifully groomed Hitler mustaches you have ever seen. <laughs> that anyone life. has ever seen. Um, <laughs> Which just is, goose stepping everywhere the way, they go. By the way, okay. So Hitler is all about the Aryan race. The motherfucker was a brunette. <laughs> well, he wasn't one of the uh, one of the the chosen or the the pure bloods, I guess. Well, yeah, but how are you going to lead a group of people that you don't represent? In his eyes, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not talking for myself at this point. <laughs> But I'm, I'm just saying, like, so he's all about pure blood, dude. You're not a pure blood. <laughs> I, and actually, so, I know, I know. Going back to, to to other things I read, he was actually part Jewish. He was kind of a, a self hating Jew. Yeah. Which you know, I mean, there's so yeah. Delve into the realms of Hitler. Just think if he'd been a better artist and, and get lost. How the world would be different right now. <laughs> you know, if he hadn't dropped out of art school. I always get creeped out by people who they're like, "Hey, you see this print I have." This is an Adolf Hitler. Like, you know a lot of people that are like, this is like, an Adolf Hitler print? Why the fuck do you own that? Right. Like, like that's not something to be proud of. Number one, he's not a good artist. I don't think I've ever been somewhere and someone said to me in passing or anything like, hey, check this out. This is an Adolf Hitler. <laughs> like, I, maybe we run in different circles when we're not together. <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, that usually doesn't come up at dinner parties. So my point is that. Enter the realm of Adolf's mind and get lost. I mean, he's a, he's a, yeah. he's a fucking lunatic. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but I'm trying, and I maybe perhaps I shouldn't be trying to apply logic where <laughs> where you can't because he's a psychopath. But but it just it just I find it amusing that he's not one of these Aryan purebreds mm-hmm. that he loves yeah. to talk about, and yet that's what he goes after. So the the point, uh, the, well, here we go. The point I was trying to get to before I was so rudely interrupted by myself was that they were going to have this group of Aryans living, you know, underground and really smart people and scientists. Well, the, originally they were going to take over the world and then that didn't exactly work out. So, And so the whole, the, I guess going back to why the conspiracy theory, Yeah, we were sending... We uh, sent, because they had like 30 like why some... why send this battle, all these battleships? Right. We were going to go annihilate them. Because they said like 30 some thousand known, you know, Nazi personnel were missing. Where nope. were they? Now, see, I got a, I, I have a different number from another conspiracy. <laughs> now, this is, according to them, fact, and but I don't believe it's written down in any history books. Yeah. So take it for what you will. But according to them, at the end of the war, there were 250,000, a quarter million Germans unaccounted for, according to Allied estimates. German people themselves, period. Correct. Not saying... They were doctors, lawyers, scientists, just German people, unaccounted for. And, yeah. when, and that's taking into account bombings. And Yeah, so that's one of the things where people say, well, these are the people that are, you know, filling up Shangri-La or whatever they want to call it uh, underneath. So going back to retracking a little bit, we were talking about Antarctica itself, Antarctica itself and being – it's got um, oasis, oases and things like that. I found this really interesting. So – it is, for the most part, frozen. And underneath the ice, we don't know exactly what's there, but we know through thermal imaging and satellite imagery and things like that, we know there's several hundred lakes. There's like 400 lakes, the largest of, of which is Lake Vostok 
And uh, it's been in the news because the Russians drilled down to it. And to give you an idea of the thickness of the ice there, it's like 2.3 miles. And I, and I saw a figure that John and I live in Chicago, so this is kind of interesting. It is nine Sears Towers tall. If you stack nine Sears Towers end to end, the ice, it would not protrude through the ice. That just blows my mind. I was driving today. And, and for the record, it will always be the Sears Tower. It is not, <laughs> it is not the Sorry. Willis Tower. Yeah, I apologize. It's the Willis Tower. I was driving downtown today, and the I was will, looking. The Willis folks can go fuck themselves. I hope they weren't planning on sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> I was driving downtown, actually, to your house, and looking at it, and I was thinking that, you know, on the drive, just like, shit. Think of nine of those stacked up, and the ice is higher. You know, it gives you that ice wall in... uh Game of Thrones, and that's kind of a pussy compared to <laughs> Antarctica, I guess, you know, as far as how tall it is. So, like I said, Vostok is 2.3 miles down, and a few years ago, the Russians, they drilled all the way down, took a water sample, the water's warm. It's not frozen. You know, it's so far down, and there's my microbial life. So, they decided not to disturb it because they don't want to, you know, A, you know, put anything in it that would, you know, what am I trying to say? They don't want to disturb Thank what's going you. on down yeah. there and kill it all. And yeah. on the other side of Contaminate things... Contaminate is the word I couldn't grab. On the other side of things, they don't want to unleash the second bubonic plague. That shit hasn't been touched for thousands of years. God knows. You know, let's, <laughs> There's a reason the Lord himself froze that whole area over. <laughs> there, is a, there is a virus worse than, than death itself <laughs> sitting down there. And, and we're going to be the lucky assholes to dig it up. So this place is frozen, and uh, but it wasn't always frozen. Like uh, when Admiral Bird was talking about it's got coal, it's got oil, it's got, you know, possibly uranium. It has to have been at one point in time, and they know it was. It was a temporal con. Hola, David, me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I, I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. You guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it, so it's very high on pronunciation, too, so <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation, yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long term retention, you know. It, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people, millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm -hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally though, this is something that we use and we have, both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long-term and uh, it's something that uh, it works. 
you know, and we don't, yeah. we don't do long-term um, stuff like this. And this is, this is the one that we've chosen and we love it. So all you guys got to do, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times. And it's always now, right now, get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Climate. So that leads to you to, to a question. Which, no. uh, okay, for, for our listeners, all four of you, it's not under debate really whether Antarctica at one point was a temperature. No, that's, that's a fact. Right. It, it, it was, it was warm. It's going back to the whole idea of like Pangea and, you know, the continents were not at one point where they are now. And so, yeah, yeah there was, it was a normal continent at one yeah. point. It wasn't, so it wasn't a big ice. One camp. of the big questions is when did that happen? Has it been frozen for? you know, 12,000 years, like, like, like some people say, was there a catastrophe that caused it? One of the, the things that people talk about is like crustal slippage. And, um, Oh man, I had that once. I went, <laughs> went to the doctor, he gave me ointment. It was great. <laughs> Cleared it right up with a shot. Yeah. Oh, you got ointment too. Ointment, yeah. And all that happens. So the thought of that, and it's funny, it's not widely, don't, don't tell, hold on. It, don't tell me it's funny. Show me it's funny. <laughs> it's Sorry. not It's not widely accepted as a fact, but it's kind of funny. One of the p- big proponents for this was Albert Einstein, who believed absolutely, you know, you're, the, the tectonic plates are sitting on 
the mantle is sitting on uh, magma. Magma, yeah. And it can move. And he believed and wrote a forward for a book of the guy who kind of invented this idea that, like, a disaster, like an asteroid impact or something, could shove an entire continent thousands of miles over, you know, say a week or two. Would that be referred to as incontinence? <laughs> I hope so. So, the incontinence... Shits all the way down to the frozen I'll be south. Here. I'll be here all week. Yeah. Try yeah. the veal. Yeah. Remember, this is a free podcast, so it's okay. <laughs> so the question is, I guess some people ask, did this happen because over thousands and thousands of years with the continental, you know, moving, or did a catastrophe in the crust slip and all of a sudden you got, you've got, you could have had civilizations and animals and everything and holy shit we're cold and then they flash flash freezing so that's another you know thought process so they don't know what's underneath the ice is what i'm saying. raising the possibility that the germans discovered something underneath the ice exactly and a great place to build a, a base camp so the, the germans had amazing sub-technology you know they have already been exploring around antarctica they're poking around. What if they found a cave? What if they found whatever? What if they didn't find anything? Who knows? So, and we and obviously we don't know, but that's option one. Option one is that there's a German base. We know about it. We're going to go destroy it. Option two. Another theory that I wasn't uh, familiar with in any way, shape, or form called the hollow earth. And uh, apparently this is a a thing amongst many cultures and many civilizations. And I'm just an idiot. Spent too much, too much time playing video games. Your parents didn't preach to you about the hollow earth growing up. No, no, they didn't. Before they burned you with brands and <laughs> <laughs> make you sit on the pentagram for an hour. <laughs> well, they did that, but <laughs> I just thought that was Tuesday. Yeah, that's and normal. So the hollow earth is basically this. Uh, okay. I, and I'm going to fucking butcher this. But this theory that inside the Earth, it so what we all grew up understanding is there's the core of the Earth, then you know there's magma and the crust and all that shit. But it's it's all pretty much solid, you know, lava and rock and various. The things. center, this the core is iron. That's what gives us our our magnetic, magnetic poles. Yeah. yeah. But that, that all that's incorrect, and we don't the, the, the science as we know it is is wrong. And then, in fact, inside of the Earth, there are um, super beings or superhumans or just a, a more evolved version of us. I, don't, I, I mean, depending on what you read, they're all various things. Or, well, evolved versions of us or aliens or, or anything. But, yeah, keep going. I'm sorry. Well, no, no, hold on. I'm going to stop there. Okay. Would, would they be aliens well, if they're from our well, there's it's there's, like, it's, there's like many. Up, it's like showing up to America and telling any Americans, "Hey, assholes, you guys are on our continent." Well, well hold on, hold on, guys. We were kind of here first. Well, but that's not that's not saying like they don't say like they're definitely from here first and they went underground. Others say they are from outer space and came here from Uranus. Yes, that's that's where all the the best aliens come from. All the best things in life come from Uranus, <laughs> in or out of Uranus. <sighs> So this hollow earth concept, if you want to learn more about it, don't come to this podcast. Go Google it and read for days and days and days. But basically, there's this other area, uh, and it's inside the earth, and the, the entrance point to it is in Antarctica. And that, frankly, we were going to go – we knew something was shaking, and we were going to go check it out. 
And Admiral Byrd himself, according to his supposed journal, found said entrance. Supposed journal being, you know, he had his diary that is either has been or hasn't been found. You know, it's up for debate. But it's on the internet, Brent. It has to be true. Oh, I'm sorry. Then yes, it is true. Yeah. And remember, we said everything in this podcast is 100% true, so... And now it's time for our commercial sponsor, Viagra. If you want to buy Viagra, you can get 100 pills for $5. Click here. Yeah. <laughs> they're Mexican, so they're, you know, they come from there. But yeah. Who was it? The, uh, Were you about to make a racist joke? No, I'm making a UFC joke. Did you see a little segue? Anderson Silva said that he tested, you know, dirty because he was using uh, Mexican Viagra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I digress. So anyway, yeah, go ahead. Hollow Earth. And for the record, when I was in Mexico and I was asking and inquiring about, of course, legal drugs uh, mm-hmm. from the U.S., everyone tells me they buy their drugs in Mexico because it's cheaper. I asked about like basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, this one's $10 a pill. This one's $20 a pill. Things in Mexico in Mexican pharmacies <laughs> are not cheaper. I don't well, I don't know what they charge in America, though, because if you don't have – Insurance, God knows what it costs. Think of it that way. Hundreds of dollars a pill. Okay. You know what? I had a really good thing going. I was mm-hmm. on a, I was in a flow. I was in a rhythm. <laughs> and you just I, fucked it up. I fucked it all up. Yeah. Well, I, I guess let's get back to the... I guess we got to talk about the hollow again. earth. Yeah. yeah. So there's this hollow earth. And once again, going back, this is option number two of, of the crazies. That the, the entrance to the hollow earth is in Antarctica. And... Whether it was known before, what I'm unclear on is if this is the if this is the actual reason for for Operation High Jump. What I'm unclear on is if we already knew that the entrance to the Hollow Earth was here, or if we just happened upon it. And if we just happened upon it, why were we actually here? And this is that's also kind of one of those blurry lines, like where some conspiracy theorists tie together both Base 211 with the Nazis and the Hollow Earth? Yeah, so supposedly, you know, the story goes that that Bird was flying, and he's on a reconnaissance flight, flying over Antarctica. And this is his unauthenticated journal. Right. And as he's flying, he, all of a sudden, his uh, compass goes haywire, like he's almost close to like the North Pole. Uh, he has no bearings. He loses radio contact with the base, and as he's flying, he notices all of a sudden the grass or down below him, it looks like thick patched grass or moss everywhere. He checks his outside temperature gaze and says 74 degrees. Doesn't make sense. Fahrenheit. Right. Yeah. For our Canadians, that's, You're welcome. that's something goofy in Celsius. We're actually the goofy ones. <laughs> We're the holdouts. But anyway, so then he sees what looks to be a giant animal, supposedly. Flies down, he gets to like 1,400 feet, and it appears to be a mammoth. Wow. You know, unfortunately, this is a time where they can't take, you know, he's not taking photos or anything like that. And as he's flying over this area, 74 degrees, he's in the Antarctic, he thought. So, hold on, hold on. I want to comment on that. And any of our pilot friends listening, I'm sure you're about to tell me both in your car and your earphones why I'm an idiot. And and perhaps on Twitter, and I, I welcome you to do so. It's very specific about the, you know, at 1,400 feet and at this. Does an altimeter work when you're literally sitting on the pole? I understand a compass doesn't. An altimeter, uh, 
Does it get screwed up by the 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 magnet of the pole? I would think it uh, would, but I have no idea. I let's just say he went really low. <laughs> no, uh, of course, but I'm, I'm not questioning you. I'm questioning the account. Yeah, they're no. so specific. With I was at fourteen hundred feet, right? Which okay, forget for a second whether the tech the technology works or not. Right. If you're seeing a fucking woolly mammoth for the first time, you know, in recorded human history, right? I doubt. Maybe. I doubt you're looking at your altimeter. I don't know. He's a trained pilot. Maybe you are. Maybe he's thinking, holy shit, what am I looking at? I don't know. So he says 1,400 feet. Dude, I'm a trained driver. If I drove by a woolly mammoth, I'm not noticing my, my average speed. <laughs> but you slow down. You you would know you were creeping. I guess that's not a sticking point. Mine's the hole. He's in the inside of the fucking earth. And he's looking at a woolly mammoth. And you're like, bullshit. He knew he was at 1,400 feet. <laughs> like, like he was about to be approached by aliens, which is the, you know, ships with Nazi signs is our next point. But you're like, hold on. Let's get back to this altimeter reading. <laughs> hey, I call him like I see him. That's all I'm saying. Like, he had me until he, he knew how high he was flying over <laughs> Shangri-La in the center of the earth. So he's flying at at who knows you know the the height, and all of a sudden he sees some no he loses control he can no longer control his ship and he sees wait some, let's not call it a ship his, it's still his an plane, airplane his plane and he sees three ships come to him and as they get close they have SWAT stickers the on Nina, the side the Pinta yeah. and the Santa Maria and he said he said that uh, the Spaniards on board no the uh, the sides of these saucer shaped ships next to his had airplane swastikas. had swastikas and over his radio comes a now for hold on hold on let's 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 point this out if you're not familiar obviously the swastika in our modern parlance is a horrible symbol indicative of the mass murder of millions of of jewish folks before adolf hitler and the nazi party adopted that symbol it was however it's been an, exist, an existing symbol for for. It still what, is. If you, go to, if you go into Asian cultures, they still have swastikas all over the place. It's kind of off-putting if you don't know. And the, and know. the, the symbology is is more of peace, correct? Exactly. Exactly. So he can't control his plane. Swastikas are flying next to him, or, or ships with swastikas on them. Saucers. Flying saucers. Flying saucers, and over his. Radio comes a Germanic or Nordic voice that tells him, hey, relax. You're on an approach. It's going to take about seven minutes. We have control of you. Come on in. No, we're, we're looking forward to meeting you, Admiral Byrd. Yeah, no, they know who exactly who he was. Yeah. So we have control. You're coming in. They bring him in. And it's a city, like this big city. It's futuristic looking to him. They so here's something I was un unclear on. He's in the hollow earth. So does that mean this city is like, I mean, do, do they have big floodlights? What? So there's two hollow earth theories that I've seen. One is. About just light in general? You mean? One is they're in big caves. It could be bioluminescence. It could be refraction of light coming in. The other is that our planet is hollow and the center is a sun. And that sun lights the hollow earth. So those are two of the prevailing thoughts on this. So there's one that's feasible and there's one that's just batshit lunacy. Obviously, yes. Could, I mean, of course, it's all batshit lunacy, or at least that's my prevailing belief. But 
A sun, really? A sun. I mean, think about the size of the Earth. That's- they say that the reason you know the Earth is hollow is because on when we get struck by a meteor, the Earth rings like a bell. And if the her since it rings like a bell, or like you know, with an earthquake, they know that oh well, we have to be hollow. And if we weren't hollow, it wouldn't ring like a bell. But I'm going back, going back to the sun in the middle of the Earth part. Oh yeah. Think about the amount of energy that would be created, and I am not a scientist, but I know it's a fuckload. I think that's a technical term. Actually, a fuck ton. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> or a tone. By, by even a fuck s- tone, if you're British. By even the about? smallest star out there. I yeah. mean, that's a, that's a physical impossibility, right? I mean, this guy's already claimed that he was 1,400 feet when there's absolutely no I, no way he knew his altitude. Altimeter? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. So now we're obviously, obviously in La La Land. This guy has no <laughs> fucking clue. You know. So, uh, <laughs> long story short, he meets oh, the- Oh, this is not short. He meets the, the king, the mayor, the grand poobah, the, the czar, whatever you want to call this area. And he says, we picked and it's you. it's Mel Brooks. It is. It is. On his knees uh, playing uh, yogurt. And he says, uh, <laughs> he says, we picked you, Admiral Burr, because you're a good man. And we want to let you know that your, your people, your race, whatever, has harnessed the power of the atom, which was we just dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's something you shouldn't be doing. You're going to destroy the earth. And you need to stop and, you know, be our ambassador, which, well, they, I'll get to this in a second. Be our ambassador. Go back. Tell everyone what we've told you. Why is it that the fucking aliens, oh, I'm sorry, these are Aryans. These, these are either, I don't know if he said that these were people that were from outer space or these were people from earth that, you know, went in to the hollow earth. I don't know. Why do the aliens always pick one motherfucker? At least this is an admiral. Usually it's the guy on his back porch. You know, on a fucking Tuesday <laughs> in Arkansas. And they're like, you need to tell the government and everyone X, Y, and Z. Like, why not go... Wait, wait, wait. wait. You, you forgot one thing. Didn't they also say, if you go ahead and get rid of all, all yeah, the nukes... Supposedly, they told him, if you get rid of all the nukes, we'll share our technology with you. And we're like, no dice. No, no. Fuck those Ruskies. We're keeping them. And supposedly they came and said the same thing to who Eisenhower or someone like that. So doesn't this sound like a hundred percent truth? Yes, yes, it I, does. I understand. <laughs> I understand. You know, just the fact that these theories exist. I, but doesn't this one sound like somebody's like you know? Not only are we going to come up with a good story for this, but let's make it poignant. Man. Well, and this is at a time when the Earth was like, there was the no power, internet. The power of the atom. We, we just destroyed an entire city in Japan. Let's, I don't know, man. Let's, let's figure out how we can put a story out there where aliens are going to, well, they're going to help us out if we just go ahead and get rid of all these bombs. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, this is a time when there's no internet or anything. And this is an old, this theory is old. This gained traction when the world, it was hard to spread news like this or, or conspiracy theories. You know, there wasn't even, you know, BBS sites with, with dudes that look like us sitting in their underwear, typing, typing away on their, you know, sharing shit on the internet, you know? We're both not in our underwear right now, in case you're wondering. <laughs> but man, when I was on those sites, those pictures of Cindy Crawford with a nipple hanging out. Dude, I'm going to download this picture of Cindy Crawford. Let's go outside. We're going to play for like four hours because we're nine at the time. <laughs> you come back and it's only halfway to Aaron. 
<laughs> but dude, dude, the admin on the BBS site. <laughs> Gave me full access to the adult section. <laughs> I love Prodigy. <laughs> but so so they send Admiral Byrd on his merry way. So says this supposedly diary that he kept. And he comes back and he tells the uh, government what they told him. And they're like, yeah, no dice. And keep your mouth shut. Never tell anyone. Okay, so... Here's so we've laid out so far very succinctly and directly, uh, <laughs> with no pretense or bullshit in between, what actually happened, and then the two prevailing theories. And if you want to read more, there are so many theories out there, and most of them tie back to one of those two things. Many of them tie those two things together. Nazis or aliens, um, or Nazi alien or, or alien or Nazis. Nazis. Yeah. yeah, and our we we just don't have the time nor the patience to to get further into it. But there are some some really valid questions, I think, that can be asked and some things to point out. First, the things to point out before we get into the questions. So the the guy that ordered this whole thing, the director of the – was it the director? Secretary of the Navy, James Forrestal. Yeah. James Forrestal, um, shortly after the end of this Operation High Jump, right. was committed – like, like, not commended, like, committed, committed, like straitjacket, right. Looney Tunes. And while he was committed, and these are truths, these aren't, you know, everyone, everyone agrees on this. Mm-hmm. He killed himself. Or, well, I wouldn't say that everyone agrees on the fact that he killed himself, but he, he died. Yeah. Officially, he committed suicide. Officially, he committed suicide. Under Literally, strange pretenses. Uh, hung himself with a sheet and jumped through a plate glass window, was the exact way it was mm-hmm. described. Suspiciously, of course, because lots of people involved with this whole project had suspicious things happen. Forrestal, according to reports, had a journal that he kept on his nightstand, even while he was up up to in the point he was uh, committed. And when his uh, family members came to collect his belongings, said journal was suspiciously missing. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> now, along those lines, we, you know, the whole time we've been talking about Admiral Byrd, Admiral Byrd didn't, you know, exactly go into oblivion uh, the next year, right. but he was definitely kind of laughed out of, of public consciousness. Uh, you know, people thought of him more and more as a loon. Yeah. He definitely did some interviews. Those are available online. You can find those uh, where he talks about things like, you know, uranium being available down there. He never once he got back to the United States, never referenced many of the things that he referenced in that Buenos Aires interview again. Ever. Ever. Um, so you can talk about, you know, well, just is it this, is that the other? There is a fact that he talked about things in one interview that he never referenced right. again. Yeah. So, and that's that's the reason, you know, why, of course, any sane person will go, well, what's going on? You know, just like... Just like people that say, well, they posted that Roswell was an alien spacecraft and they retracted it. What's going on? Like, of course, things come out of those, you know, and lead to questions. But you got to you got to think he's also a man who's been in the military his whole life. You know, he's pushing to explore the Arctic like he believed that was the the final frontier, you know, on planet Earth. It's the only place that we'd never, you know. 
take out all the other, you know, he never went to Hogwarts. All that's fake. All that's a lie. Any of that. He still wanted. Did you to be say there, he never went to Hogwarts? To, yeah, <laughs> Hollow Earth, Hogwarts, very similar. They're both in the same place. You take that little train to you know, <laughs> through, through the Brickwake and to get there. It's the third stop. But uh, anyway, <laughs> it's like the red line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Arriving at Hogwarts. <laughs> So I can see him maybe fluffing some things to try to bolster public opinion or, or public, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, consent on, on spending the money that they were doing. Public belief. Exactly. But, you know, who knows? You know, that's the problem. Who well, knows? Here, but, you know, here's the, and I was asking you about this before we started the show because I didn't have time to, to research this. I found it in numerous places that all of his diaries and papers – have been under lock and key ever since his death. And I found it interesting that it's phrased that way because it's not like when we were talking about Forrestal where his journal is missing. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Does it exist? Under lock and key makes it sound like it definitely exists. Under lock and key is like, yeah, it exists and we're just not going to let you see it. Right. Did you see anything else on that? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Okay. So ultimately – those kind of suspicious circumstances around both of those gentlemen after they had been involved with Operation High Jump are weird. The weirdest thing to me is something that, from what I understand, is true to this day. And that is that Antarctica, number one, can't be annexed by anyone. Right. And I, but why is that? Is that in like the Geneva Accords? Like who, you know, who wrote that, that, mm-hmm. that law, that rule? And two, you can't fly over the South Pole. Yeah, it's a like, no-fly zone. Like, so if you're in South America and you want to and you want to travel to New Zealand, the you know they always say the the, the shortest way or the quickest way anywhere is a straight. The line. The shortest distance between two points. You're right. Uh, you can't take that straight line over the South Pole. Well, why? Everything's diverted. And I yeah. said I, <laughs> we were talking about this before. I go why, and you go because the United States military will shoot your ass out of the sky. Okay, fair enough. But why will they do that? Exactly. So we have a large presence there. We have a base, you know, or bases. We have bases in, in Antarctica. and around yeah. Antarctica. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And um, like you said, the center is a no-fly zone. If you go to Google Maps, try to look up a lot of Antarctica. It's blocked out. You can't see it. It's just black. Why? Like whatever, all these things that you don't have answers to just breed into these conspiracy theories. People make shit up. People will always, you know, they always say like, when you got to figure something out, find the the path of least resistance. Like, well, it would make more sense was this or that. No, people's head go crazy and they make shit up. And it's a lot easier. I don't know if it's easier. It's more fun and easier when you think that your government's lying to you all the time. That. What are they hiding there? Well, it's got to be aliens or Nazis or alien technology or, or things like or, that. Or alien Nazis. You know, when Operation High Jump came back early and they had, they had sustained losses, it makes more fun or more sense to people to say, well, they were attacked by, you know, Nazi flying saucers and maybe we shot one down and commandeered it. So we took it back. That's another prevailing thought is like we, we gained technology because right after this happened, we kind of had the technology boom. Where did that come from? Maybe it was from a down saucer instead of human ingenuity and the outpouring of through project paperclip thousands of German scientists who are already vastly superior to us. 
coming to America. Which is actually fact. No, right? these are facts. Yeah, you know, Project so, Paperclip was what we we used to bring all the scientists here. You know, it was just a mad grab for anyone with knowledge there to to bring them to your country. So the after point, World War II, the, the point of this podcast certainly isn't to come to conclusions. We aren't here to do that. We're here to have some drinks and talk about bullshit and shit that's and, fun and, and really uh, things that we don't believe in. Uh, right. We, you know, we're we're coming to it from the other perspective. You know, this particular uh, case, you know, definitely threw up some interesting things that made me not question whether it's true. I really do wonder why there's no fly zone there. Right. Is it just because it could fuck with your gear, like while you're flying over? And, yeah, it and could it be as simple as, you know, they, they have those those strip mines that are, are no fly zones for like low flying helicopter and stuff because there's such a dip in, in air pressure, you'll crash. Right. Or you the know? electromagnetic, whatever. But is that because there's such a dip in air pressure because it's the hollow earth and you'll you'll shoot through to the and crash into the sun in the center of the earth? Maybe that's it. <laughs> It's possible. <laughs> like you don't want to kill one of the woolly mammoths when you're when you're flying through. So they, it's a no fly zone. I definitely think there's interesting questions. But if I had to give my um, my account of what actually happened mm-hmm. based on the massive amounts of research I've I've done over the course of probably an hour and a half, <laughs> it's this: we are an, a, a year out of of ending World War II. The war that very mm-hmm. well could have ended the entire world. Right. Both, you know, sardonically and also literally, yeah. you know, if... If, 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 if we had enriched, enriched enough, yeah, if we had enough bombs. Yeah. Right. And if Germany had, get, had a little bit more time to right. develop their own... And Russia. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. With that fear in mind and with enough people saying there's some weird shit going on in Antarctica... I could really see us saying, let's go do it. We'll tell everyone we're going to do a scientific mission, and we're going to go down there. And if there is a Nazi base, well, we are going to blow it off the face. It makes sense. You got – okay, so the, the Grand Admiral of the, the German Army was Donuts. And he said in forty three. so this is two years before the war's over, that they had built an impregnable fortress for the Fuhrer, uh, alluded to in our I, I have them right here. Do you have the quote? Yeah. He had two quotes. His first quote was, my submariners have found a true paradise on Earth, right. a Shangri-La, which plays into the mystique of of the hollow Earth that we were discussing before. Mm-hmm. That's one of the many things that the hollow Earth has been referred to in various cultures. Yeah. The second quote, the German submarine fleet is proud. At the other end of the world, we've made an impregnable citadel for our Fuhrer. Right. Those are both quotes attributed and, you know, accounted for by the Admiral Karl Donitz. And it's known that the Nazis believed in the occult. They believed in superstitions. They believed in the Aryan race. They also, you know, mysticism, anything. The one thing we have established, of which Mr. Hitler was not a part of. True. That that is, we locked that down early. So, I guess if you're the U.S., you have this superpower saying these things. Do you just throw it to the side or do you go, hey, we need to look into this and see if this is true? I can see them saying, if they made a base here, we need to explore it. And you know what? They had a ton of ships. They had a ton of U-boats that were unaccounted for. 
maybe they found an underground cave system or something like that. It makes sense that something like that could have happened. And they took a lot more soldiers than they did scientists. Right, right. 4,700 souls went down there. And they were mostly soldiers. Right, right. So, and they limped back with their tail between their legs, it seems like, you know. So, I can see taking it seriously, and I can also see something maybe would have happened. But it's one of those things where we will never know. Of course, we'll least. never know. But to finish my my very educated belief on the matter, we went down there to see if shit was going down. Right. We found a big ice cube. Right. And people started dying. Right. And we just kept finding more ice cube. Right. And we said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going home. It's cold out here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my belief. All right. Um, not that... I don't think that it is far-fetched to think that the Nazis could have had a base. You know, the the, the quote-unquote base 211, which you can well, look up about. Okay, when I don't, you say that, do you mean a base like we have today that's just on, on I would an assume that if, No, I would assume if they had a base, they did exploring. This is just me talking out my ass. I would assume if they did that, they were exploring with subs. They found a subterranean cave, cave system, and built a base. They were very, very, very good at making underground structures. I mean, they had bunkers everywhere. You know, the Fuhrer bunker in Berlin, all these things, huge, you know, constructions. So I don't think it's out of out of the realm of possibility that if something like that happened, that they really did have a base there. But I feel like if they did, and again, I don't know, wouldn't we have found out? Wouldn't we have heard something? Would we have all the bases that we have there now? I don't know. I don't know. Which leads me to believe it's probably just aliens. <laughs> It's probably just aliens kill, you know, and, and, uh, and no, no, not really. But, uh, it, it's fun to take those routes though and think about it, you know? Did we go down there and go, holy shit? And we had, you know, three different battle groups go down there and not be able to, to make it just because it's too cold and, and we sucked or we were fought back, back by a Germany backed alien armada and, um, we, we winged them and, and brought back technology. That's a hell of a lot more hoorah America, you know, than, than the other, I guess. So that's one way to, to you know, well, people I, sleep at night thinking that way. I suppose the other thing that I, I didn't acknowledge in, in my assertion yeah. of what happened is it is odd that before we our ships left, we said, you know, this, this venture is going to be X number of months mm-hmm. and – you know, we're going to do this, this, that, and the other. And we turned tail four weeks in. Fast, yeah. Yeah, so so what forced that? Was it, mm-hmm. was it, was it literally like, uh, you know, we, we, some people died and, you know, we, we thought better of it? Or did something else happen? So I guess our official ruling is you feel that it was just too cold and too desolate and didn't work. And I'm saying I could see that there was a Nazi resistance. I don't think there was aliens. Be a lot more fun if there was. I basically think we ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too much. Yeah. 100 degrees below zero, 200 mile an hour winds. I don't want to be there. They didn't. And this was 80 years ago, you know? So. Well, that is uh, 
That's our show for today. Right? That's our first show. Yeah. So I guess what we should say is, um, you know, we'll give you guys our Twitters and things like that. And you can let us know, like, what you like, what you didn't like. What do you want to hear about? Like, you know, what's out there that uh, you want us to talk about? Horribly ill-prepared. John and I are going to be here most of the time. We're also going to bring in some other people every once in a while to the show. Just, a, you know, guest hosts to, to talk with us. To liven things up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and as always, thanks to producer Stacy. Stacy, can you say hi? <laughs> Thanks, producer Stacy. So, yeah, if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, it's uh, Hysteria51Pod. Drop us a line on there. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, who's got a sexier voice, <laughs> all the important And once shit. again, that was yeah. at Hysteria51Pod. <laughs> and uh, and you can reach John Goforth at, at GoFoLight1. That's cheating. <laughs> and uh, I'm the Brinhand, or at the Brinhand on Twitter. And again, if you want to pop on Facebook, we're Hysteria Fifty One Podcast on there. And uh, tell us what you want us to talk about: Roswell, false flag events, Bigfoot, you know, vapor trail, va- Kim trails, Kim trails. So yeah, our first time. You know, I had fun. You know, and we'll we'll grow from here and go from there. And uh, hopefully, you'll tune in next time. We love you all, and until then, as the great Adam Carolla would say, mahalo. I don't love you all, but I have strong feelings. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, We'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. 